Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zena Shea. I am a coach, a conduit, and a catalyst who launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. So today we're actually going to talk about honesty, which is a very interesting topic to be talking about on 9-11, yes. which some people <laughs> feel is a big, massive conspiracy that our government lied about and led us on and, you know, went to war with the wrong people and all that stuff. So it's, we're not going to really focus on the politics of all that, but just, you know, I just like to see the coincidences in the universe that are going on. And I just thought I would mention that. And I have with me Lady 380. Say hi to the people. Hi. And so she picked this topic, but, you know, as I was sitting here, something popped in my head from when I was a kid and it was a musical, the best little whorehouse in Texas with Dolly Parton. And there was a little song in there. A politician was singing and he said something like, Ooh, I love to dance a little sidestep. Now they see me. Now they don't. I've come and gone and Ooh, I love to sweep around the wide step. I like to lead the people on, you know, so I kind of thought that was kind of funny because we're talking about honesty and being truthful, which I think are kind of slightly different. Mm. The truth and honesty, Mm. um, closely related, but not exactly the same thing. So why did you pick this topic of honesty? You know, it compelled me. Um, I felt like that's pretty much what I'm all about. Um, as far as Lady 380 goes and I mean, Brittany too, but especially Lady 380. So I thought it was very fitting, um, to choose that topic. (laughs) And anybody who probably knows you knows that there's a little snippet that you normally say before you perform. (laughs) Would you give us that little snippet since it actually ties right into honesty? Um, I am Lady 380 and whatever I speak is my truth. So if you find yourself offended or unable to relate, then these bullets weren't meant for you. I am a spoken assassin. So this is your final warning. I aim for straight headshots and ain't nobody in here bulletproof. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Whatever I speak is my truth. And yes. I want to kind of start there because I think... Um, our truth is really important. Being authentic is really important. And I remember when I was growing up, even every time you see an election, you see people talking about, oh, they used to say this and now they say this. They're so wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. And there is some truth to that. But I also think that we evolve. And I think in staying authentic to our truth we actually have to evolve. And sometimes what we said before mm-hmm. no longer fits our truth, yeah. you know? And and I think people need to be able to recognize that recognize that, and also understand that being a hundred, as people like to say, <laughs> doesn't mean that you always stay the same. It means that you have the ability to evolve and say, hey, I used to think this, but I no longer think this. I think this now, right? you know? What do you think about that, about growth and and your truth can change? Um, Absolutely. I think that, um, I mean, maybe at the core, uh, things stay the same. I think people have to recognize that it could be your truth in that moment. It doesn't always have to mean that that's the end all be all forever. Um, That's one of the reasons why I actually had to come up with that introduction, because a lot of um, things that I write about are like kind of like pain points from when I was younger. And although I don't like 
exist in that space anymore. It's still my truth and my story to tell, even if it happened back then. Um, and I've had some people, you know, kind of be upset with me about things that I've said, um, that kind of shed light on their part that they may have played in my story. And, um, I have to explain to them that just because that was a role that you played then doesn't mean that's how I view you now, but it's still my truth. It it just was, you know, that's what it was then. And maybe it's not like that now. So, yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, I, I really do. You know, I was looking up honesty and I was looking up truth and, and a lot of things came up online. Uh, one of the things Emily Dickinson, she's not one of my favorite poets, but it mm. is National Literacy Month. Mm. So, you know, to talk about books, to talk about artists and, and authors, you know, I got these uh, earrings that say I rise, of course, mm. Maya Angelou, <laughs> great, amazing poet and definitely spoke her truth. But there is a poem by Emily Dickinson and she says, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Mm. And I don't have the point memorized, but basically what she's saying is sometimes you got to ease into the truth right? and you may have to dole it out in doses mm-hmm. because sometimes the truth can be overwhelming to yeah. some people and some people may not need to have the full truth or mm-hmm. all of the truth at one time, you know, so I'm learning it. <laughs> you know, I have been, there have been a few times and we're going to talk about relationships for a minute. Um, when I have been accused of being maybe dishonest a little bit, but it really wasn't that I was being dishonest. Like, for example, if you ask a person, are they single? I'm single. That doesn't mean I'm not dating. Right. That doesn't. And so they come up with, are you single, single? Absolutely. You know, that, that doesn't mean I'm not dating. That doesn't mean I'm not sleeping with somebody. That, that means I'm not in a committed relationship. relationship. Absolutely. You know, I could be dating somebody. And then you like, you lie. No, I didn't lie. You asked me a question. I answered that question. You asked me, was I single? I'm single. Right. You didn't ask me, was I dating somebody? But you could have elaborated. I could have. And maybe there will be times when I do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just ask a question. I just answer the question. Yeah. You know, so sometimes people are like, well, I don't think that that's being honest. Well, I told you the truth. Right. You know, so maybe you think that I wasn't being honest because I didn't elaborate. Mm -hmm. But, you know. What do you think about that? Um, see, older me would have been like, now nah, you lying by omission. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I think that we have to be specific. We have to be intentional um, about things that we say, ask or do. Um, it's funny that you brought that topic up because I get asked that a lot. Like, you know, are you single? Yes, I am. I'm also very much in love with somebody, too, like at the same time. <laughs> so it's like, you know, hey, but... It is what it is. Um, but I've kind of been on the opposite side of the spectrum. Like I I overly share most times. Like or I'm very blunt. Like I don't mean to be mean, I don't mean to be rude. This is just like straight. This is what it is. And you gotta accept it or not. Like, you know, I'm just kinda like, hey, if you ask me if if you want the truth, don't ask. If you don't want the truth, don't ask me. Like that's kind of my motto (laughs) i agree i've been exactly the same way i have been accused of being too blunt of being cruel they say virgos you got to watch your mouth Mm -hmm. it's it's september month it's virgo month they say that you have to watch our mouths because we (laughs) we are known for being very truthful bluntly truthful and i'm a sagittarius known for being very blunt as well (laughs) like brutally honest so i have been known 
for that my entire life. But there also have been people in my life that they were secretive with me. So I tended to react with that same kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And so they would ask me questions and I would answer their questions, but I would not be as open as I might have been with someone else Absolutely. who was very open with me. Imagine energy. Yeah. And so sometimes <laughs> I'd be like, well, you used to be just blah, everything. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but that used to, we used to be very open with each other. Now I got to dig and, 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 you know, try to get stuff out of you. So you're going to have to do the same thing with me. I'm not going to be just forthcoming and you're not right. because that makes me feel like in a sense you have the power and I'm, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. like that kind of imbalance of, of, of power. So mm-hmm. I was like, if you want me to be very open, then you need to be very right. open because otherwise you're going to get some yes, no mm-hmm. answers. And you're going, you know, because that's what I'm getting from you. That's crazy. That's, yeah. that's what I've been told that I should be more like, like, you know, Hey, don't give everybody doesn't deserve like my full self like mm-hmm. and but I don't know how else to be so you know I get caught up sometimes a lot of times in certain situations and it's like almost like I'm giving way more than um I'm receiving and people expect that from me because that's just how I am but then I also have to recognize that I allow that even if you know I don't want to change though like because the right person will come along and Hmm. be deserving of everything that I have to give. So, hey, I agree. It is what it is. You know, I agree with you on that. (laughs) I will speak on another thing as a parent. Um, Mm. You know, I'm, I'm divorced twice and my first relationship was an abusive relationship. Mm. And when my kids asked me, why did you get divorced? And they were young. I said, um, you know, your dad and I had differences. If you want to know more, ask him. Mm. Because what I didn't want to say is all my truth. Right. Because I wanted them to be able to have a relationship with their father. And if I told them all my truth, Mm -hmm. I didn't want him saying, you turned my children against me. And you, you know, and some of it was adult in a sense of like, a kid may not need to know everything that goes mm-hmm. on between, uh, you know, his parents and or her parents. So it was my choice to say, hey, we had some differences. We really were not a good couple. We were toxic together. And if you want to know more details, ask your daddy. Because mm-hmm. then I put it in his court right. of what he wants to say to them. And then if I said, if you have questions after you talk you to him, you can come back and ask me. But mm-hmm. I would never want to be one of those women where... You know, she was accused of being bitter and being vengeful and being, you know, and and she could be telling the exact truth. But but those are children who are impressionable. And to me, in being truthful, I also have to be wise and discerning and and have the right intentions. Mm -hmm. And my intentions were we already separated. We already divorced. I've, you know. I've got my barriers up and my boundaries, but that's still their father. Right. And they still may want to have a relationship with him. And if they decide not to later on, that's not going to be on me. It's not going to be because of what I said. Absolutely. You know, so what do you think about that as, as a parent and being honest with your kids? I think that's beautiful. Your situation is beautiful because me, I'm going to (laughs) tell, Hey, this is what happened. But no, like, um, me and my son, uh, we have like very much non-traditional um parent uh you know 
parent-child uh, relationship, I'm very honest with him about, uh, and very honest and open about a lot of things, like my entire life. And, um, you know, of course, my mom sometimes, that's not your friend. You That's what's wrong with him now. You know, you need to start trying to be his friend and be his parent. Um, but I, I always just kind of feel like for me growing up, I didn't really have a voice. Everything was this is what you do this is what you're gonna eat this is everything is just because I said so like so I didn't feel like my own person so with that um the way I raise my child I try to give him a space to recognize him as a person who he is you do have wants you do have needs. you ain't got no wants because I you know like Mm -hmm. I try not to be like that yes you do have wants you have feelings you have the right to be upset mad angry happy whatever exist in those um feelings and kind of work through it um but I am learning now uh with him getting you know more of his teenage years like we are starting to have that um part where we kind of need balance between hey I'm still the authority figure here like you know I'm don't I'm not your little friend just because I don't pop you in the mouth for you know saying little stuff because you have a voice does not mean that you can be disrespectful so now trying to go back and correct that it's a little bit harder um I am in a space where sometimes I just like wish that okay I just should have did it the way my mama (laughs) my mom did it but at the same time like I'm I'm okay with, you know, like I said, just being honest about everything and a lot of things he probably shouldn't know um, as a child. But again, when I look at things when I was a child, it's like I wish I would have known exactly what was going on, because sometimes um, kids kind of get the get the aftermath from it. Right. Like you may be going through something with your uh, spouse and you don't want them to know that you're arguing, arguing, but kids pick up on energy. Now you may be yelling at them, hey, go clean up your room and have an attitude with them for what it seems like no reason. Now they think that, oh, okay, well, you're upset with me. They don't know everything that's going on. They don't understand. So I try to be open and honest about things that go on in my personal uh, life, relationships or whatever, just so that he's he has that insight. And knows that, okay, she's feeling like this right now. I know that she's been through this today. It's not about me. Let me, you know, give her some space or whatever the case may be. Okay, that's good. I like that. I like that. I like, you know, it is trying to keep in mind that everything that we do can affect our kids. And Mm -hmm. and for them not to take things personally that don't Mm -hmm. really have to do with them. That is a great point. Um. And then we can go with on the job for a minute and then we're going to go to art. You know, Um, there's a lot of people that are posting now. Those aren't your friends at work. You don't Mm -hmm. need to tell all your business at Mm -hmm. work, you know, because they may use that stuff against Mm -hmm. you. And don't be so honest. Don't be so open. Be more, you know, go to work, do your job and go home and and, and go home, (laughs) you know, and don't tell all your business, you know, because I think some people were maybe being too open and then getting burned by Mm -hmm. certain things coming out um, at work that maybe weren't considered professional. Uh, What do you think about openness with coworkers, honesty? Do you think that does it depends on the person, their personality, their job? What, what do you think? Um, I kind of go, I think with everything the same way. Um, I know that my honesty has cost me uh, my job quite a few times. Um, 
And I've had to deal, you know, with that. It was hard. And I could have been like, you know, hey, when I go to this next job, I'm not sharing, you know, certain things. But I think like with anything, when you get somewhere um, that you know that you're supposed to be, that won't be used against you in the Mm -hmm. wrong way. If You get around certain people that are supposed to receive that energy. It won't be like the job that I have now is like the best place that I've ever worked, Mm -hmm. like in my life. And, you know, it's nothing big. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing, you know, but um, it's very small. Everybody gets along. Um, I'm able to be myself and I can exist in myself because I have a hard time, like, keeping stuff to myself or thinking, should I tell them this or should I speak up about this? And, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't like existing in that space. Like, I'm a person that if something happens to me, I have to let you know right now so that it's not just weighing on me the whole time or I'm not thinking do they know I know? Do you like, I don't know. It's just like, you know, I, so now, um, like I said, I, I, I did, I came into the job thinking like, Hey, I need to change up some things. Maybe, you know, like you said, not talk so much or whatever, which I kind of never really did, but I found that I've, I have, I do have friends at work, but I also understand that we are at work and our job comes first. So if they have to choose job over friendship, I know it's going to be the job. And I I can't be mad at that. I can't be upset with that. So. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's still your choice, you know, and just as long as you are aware of it and you have to deal with the consequences. So, hey, if if my truth does have it's setbacks or you know whatever i've been too honest like hey y'all i went out tonight and now i'm hungover today but whatever and then, oh pretty hungover she be going out you know <laughs> and now if you know hey it's it's my fault you know for saying or indulging that uh information but um you know hey yeah i just think it is what it is <laughs> it, it, that's true that's true you know, speaking of authenticity, I like that word authenticity a mm. lot. And I think that, uh, you know, you talked about not feeling like you had a voice as a child. You know, I felt like I didn't have a voice as an adult. I had mm. to find my voice as an adult. You know, part of me writing this memoir was showing people the whole seven year journey of losing myself in my marriages mm. and then finding myself again after my divorce and then becoming more and more and more of myself because I kind of let more and more of myself show and I'm more authentic. So I'm probably the most authentic now that I've ever been in my entire life. Mm. And I, I value that, mm. you know, because I saw a meme on Facebook and they were like, when you see me now, don't think I'm flexing because it ain't about y'all. It's about the fact right. that I found my voice and now you just see the real me. Yes. I'm not showing off. I'm just being myself. And even if you and, are, so what? Like, mm-hmm. I'm tired of protecting people's feelings. Like, mm-hmm. that's one thing that, you know, I love celebrating people. I love seeing people exist in their truths, knowing who they are and flourishing, you know, great job like I, I'm you know I love seeing that type of energy I've always kind of been been the person in the room where like I'm not I'm not looking for attention but a lot of people like to put that on me oh you just want attention oh no I can't help it if you're drawn to me and I'm tired of trying to dim my light just so you can feel like you shine brighter brighter why does it make me mad if you're flexing mm, you right? you have every right to you woke up you feel good like embrace mm-hmm. that it should be okay you right. should not even uh, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I 
I agree with you 100%. You know, I'm thinking about, um, there are so many people that I look at as role models. And I think about like Oprah Winfrey, Mm -hmm. who she decided, hey, I want to have this talk show. I want it to be a certain brand. And Mm -hmm. her brand was really like authenticity, honesty. I want people to be able to come on and tell their truth. And and if I cry with them, I'm going to cry with them. I ain't going to, let's cut the camera so they don't see me cry. You know, I'm going to be authentic. And people were really drawn to that. And, and, you know, Tabitha Brown just got Mm -hmm. in trouble recently because she was like, they told her that she needed to tone down her image and and she was being too country Mm -hmm. with the way she talked. She was like, you came to me. Right. To be on your network right. with me being the Afro, right. me having a name for my hair, Absolutely. me saying, you know, my little sayings. And now you want me to tone it down because your audience is not used to this or hasn't seen this kind of part. No, I'm not going to. And and I think that that is beautiful, especially as black women, mm-hmm. for us to be able to see you know, other black women that have said, Hey, I'm not going to follow this route of changing and adapting my behavior to be less authentic, right. to get a bigger audience or to stay on this platform. I will say no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Oprah got fired from one of her first jobs because they were like, Oh, you just too Oprah mm-hmm. you know we right. don't know what to do with you and you know it's and, funny and, because the same things that you know mm-hmm. people love about you end up turning to turning out to be the same things that they hate about you and I think that with one of going back to the whole job thing that's exactly what happened with me they love the fact that I was outgoing that I was honest I wasn't afraid to speak up and say hey this is wrong this is broken here's an idea of what we can do to fix it but then I got put in a position where you know, of, of management. And then those same ideas were like, no, you need to tone it down. Nobody asked you anything. Like you don't run, but I mean, these, I'm literally the same person. This is exactly what you liked about me and loved about me. And now it's too much for you because you feel like you've given me too much power, which I'm going to have my power anyway. You, Mm -hmm. what you don't have is the power to take it away from me. That's what Mm -hmm. people don't realize. So baby, Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're going to go with that for a minute, and then I want to go into the poetic the poetic aspect. Okay. There's quite a bit of tension on social media right now mm-hmm. with women speaking out about how I will be single. Mm-hmm. And if you want to say I'm over 25 and I'm a leftover, fine, I'll go get what I want myself. Ooh, you know, and, and if you want to, if you want to tell me I need to do X, Y, and Z to keep a man, well, if I, if you think that that's what I got to do, I will be willing to do this, but I'm not going to necessarily pick up his socks because he's not a child mm-hmm. or, you know, he can cook too. We can share, we can have partnership. Mm-hmm. So there's been quite a few um, controversial videos of women saying their truth. Mm-hmm. I would rather be single than deal with raising a man. I would rather be single than deal with a man who wants me to go 50, 50 and take care of the house. Right. And all of the, 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 the cooking and cleaning and all that, because that to me is an unequal partnership. Mm-hmm. I'm Absolutely. doing half of the providing and all of the domestic activities. Right. Absolutely. You know, and, and so now there's almost this, I saw this guy say, we need to go back to the fifties where women knew their place. Oh, shut the fuck up and get in the kitchen. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. And um, 
I think that there is a women are being more honest because I think that women are not afraid anymore to be single. We're not wrapping our status our relationship status up as this is my sole identity. Right. This is my, this is my reason for living to be a mother and a wife. And if I don't do this, I am a failure. Absolutely. So, you know, what do you think about this? I feel it's, it's really a revelation of worth of Mm -hmm. self-worth and getting your self-worth from something else besides your relationship status, whether you have kids or not, getting it from inside and to me that's to me that's authenticity it de- and self-worth it definitely is because so here's my thing a lot of people get caught up in um what the world says society says what your goals are supposed to be this is what you're supposed to have i've always been like a natural rebel like at heart about anything like i'm gonna ask questions i need to know why you know what are we doing i don't understand why this has to be my goal um, I think that a lot of people um get in relationships just because they figure that's supposed to be the end goal. You know, by a certain age, you're supposed to either have kids, be married or whatever. They look at that as that's what life is supposed to be. And that's what literally maybe everyone else around you is doing. So you feel less than if that's not you. I hate for somebody to tell me that's why you single now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I enjoy being single. Okay. I en- I enjoy it so much. Like I like I said earlier, I'm literally in love and mm-hmm. still single because I enjoy my freedom. I enjoy, you know, being able to say no when I want to. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I think that we're here to experience people. People don't belong to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, my okay. ideas and the way that I believe things are how I think. They don't align with, you know, traditional uh, values and Mm. and that's okay. I'm okay with that. So nobody Mm. can tell me, you know, oh, well, that's why you never going to have a man or that's why nobody want to. Let me tell you, my inbox be full. Okay. Like, you know, people, if anything, um, they're too afraid that they're too afraid of my power. If you Mm. already know that you can't match my energy, you're not going to be able to just tell me what to do. I'm going to ask you why. You have to lead me. I have to trust you. Oh, yeah. So you're not going to just tell me no anything. You're not leading me into no ditch. I've been enough ditches my own self, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, so you have to you have to come with it or don't come at all. You want to have fun together. If I feel like having fun, I can feel like having fun. If not, then, hey, I I love me. I can be with me for the rest of my life. Like, you know, so, hey, and I'm going to have to be with me for the rest of my life. And I feel like if a lot more people thought that way. You wouldn't have so many um, failed marriages, but you you in a relationship because you feel like that's what you have to do right now. But you don't even really know the person mm-hmm. that you're with a lot of times, you know, and it's like I'm not doing it just to say I did it. I'm not going to have somebody just to say I have somebody like somebody going to be proud to have me like, you know, and and you got to be proud to have them. Exactly. You know? And vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about the whole partnership thing, like. Yes, I love to cook, but nobody is going to make me be like, no, that's all you need to do. And like, shut up. Mm-hmm. Don't have an opinion in this household or mm-hmm. anything like that, baby. We ain't got to do all that because I'm already working. Mm-hmm. So the provider part is, you know, already off the table. Now what you have to bring something else. Right. Besides money. I'm already getting that. Right. Right. You know? right. I already, you know know how to lead myself how how I want to be like you have to come with something more than what I have you got to meet me halfway and I think that 
a lot of people feel undermined or whatever like that i feel like men kind of take that and think that oh i don't have no power here somebody told me you won't let me be a man if you gotta depend on me to <laughs> let you be a man baby you're not a man to begin with what you wow. mean let you like you gotta come up come tell me to shut up and sit down you know <laughs> i'm like listen and be like okay you can't ask me I ain't gonna do it. Like that's my yeah. problem now. Yeah, like Jill Scott says, if you can tell me what to do, then tell me what right, to do. But exactly. if you can't tell me what to do, exactly. then you can't tell that's, me what to do. And that's just like you know? as easy as I can say it. Like mm-hmm. it just is what it is. You you it is or it ain't. I agree. <laughs> I'm gonna read just a little bit because um the opening of my book, mm-hmm. Plenty of Guppies and Other Dating Misadventures, which is about finding myself. This starts chapter one is attitude, and this is the first two paragraphs. I belong to that classification of women some men don't believe exists, single by choice and content. Many men fancy themselves as fairy godfathers sent to warn women to wed, settle down, and commit before the clock strikes old age, and we're left in the cinders with only birds and cats as companies. Once upon a time, their warnings might have stuck, but that was years ago before my odyssey. So this is kind of about my journey to becoming completely content as a single woman and all the men that I met, because I actually, there's 101 dates in there. I went on 147 in seven years and every man has a nickname, but 101 (laughs) are in the book. And, um, and I'm telling my truth. I'm being very, very honest. In fact, you know, part of the, I get trepidation of writing a book was, Oh, am I going to be really honest? Am I going to really tell mm-hmm. what happened? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell it. If I'm going to tell it, I need to tell it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm going to tell it the erotic stuff, the stupid stuff I did, the crazy stuff I did, mm-hmm. crazy stuff that happened, you know, sad stuff, you know, funny stuff, all that, all of it, you know, and being an artist, I think is about, really telling our truth, like you said at the very beginning. And I think it's about telling our truth in a way that frees us and frees other people because they're given hope, inspiration, insight, even challenge. Some, you know, people have come to my shows and been like, you know, you inspired me to go back and start writing again. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I, I write poetry, but I never got up on stage. You make me think maybe I should get up and share, mm-hmm. you know? So what do you think about, the role, because we're going to do a show together, September twenty fourth, a hundred thousand poets for change. And I know you have a show. What's the other show you have coming up? Um, Kings versus Queens, uh, Saturday the seventeenth. So this will be next Saturday. Yeah. So what do you think <laughs> about like the role of the arts and especially poetry in telling people's truth and 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 spreading truth throughout the world? Um, I think it's a big responsibility, honestly, that responsibility for me kind of came secondhand. Um, you know, a lot of people like to say, well, I write to do this. Like I literally, I'm selfish. I write for myself to be able to express what I'm going through. And that's how I get through it. Um, like I said, I'm an overshare, but I don't have many friends. So my cousin or my sister, they're going to get tired of me talking about the same thing every day. So being able to write a poem about it, perform it multiple times, that actually helps me live in that moment, get through it, heal. That's how I heal. Um, now, what it does for other people is like what I was saying is like kind of like the secondhand thing. Like, so when somebody comes up to me and be like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you went through, you know, a certain thing. I've been through that, too. I would have never been able to articulate it in that way. Or you made me feel something or you gave me a second side. 
that's kind of second secondhand, uh, you know, blessings for me because it wasn't about them when I when I wrote it. But I'm happy and I do recognize that that does play a role. I can say that now I am a little bit more um, aware of that when I do write, but I'm still very selfish. Like it's it's about me. <laughs> it's, a, it's about me when it comes to that. But I do I do think that that's a that's a great responsibility. Um, we have a lot of influence and I wish more people just knew or were like tapped in and in tune to poetry and you know what we do. I think, um, a lot of people look at it as, oh my God, roses are red, violets are blue, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, you want to come see me at a poetry show? They're like blah, blah, blah. Like the other day at my job, like they've been knowing I've been doing poetry since I've been there. And then I was like, you know what? Let me let y'all hear this point, this piece mm. that I'm working on. Everybody's just like, oh my God, well, I didn't know it was like that. Like, mm-hmm. cause you don't even give it a second thought. It's just like, you know, well, mm, whatever. But you know, um, I like seeing, uh, people convert. You're like, mm. you know, I wasn't a fan at first, but now I am, you know, of the arts or whatever. But yeah, very powerful. It is very powerful. Mm-hmm. So how did you actually get your start? Like what was the thing that made you start? Did you just sit down one day and just get the inspiration to write or did somebody <laughs> suggest it to you or how did you actually get started? Um, English was mm-hmm. always my favorite subject in class uh, in school. Um, I think my first poem that I wrote, maybe like in third grade, we had to write down our name, uh, one letter on each line and then like kind of write a word that went with it or whatever. Um, and after that, when I got to middle school, we started learning how to write haikus and we actually studied, uh, you know, like, uh, Lord, I can't even think of the man name. Um, Langston Hughes. It was... Oh my gosh. Um anyway, I guess it's not that important. <laughs> but when we started studying studying literature, um, I would write these poems and then I would feel like, especially like writing haikus, I can just remember being like, I don't wanna be held to, you know, mm. a specific standard. I wanna be able to say what I have to say. Um, so I would write and I had a journal. And of course, I have nosy friends or whatever in school and people would take my journal and they're reading like, oh, my God, this is good. I literally still have one of my um, tablets where um, a girl I know wrote on the back of it like you're going to be famous for these poems one day. Mm. And I remember posting it on Facebook like, you know, hey, all these years later, like this is like really what I'm doing. Um, But I was just inspired by that. And then people would be like, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. Can you I'll give you twenty dollars to write me a poem for my girlfriend or whatever. So I used to do that and like just used to hustle at school. And um, everybody just knew me for writing uh, poetry. Never performed it. Uh, The first time I started performing poetry, I was actually a rapper. And that's how I got my name. (laughs) play 380 um so i would take my poems and like kind of make them go to a beat and you know rap and uh things of that nature and then one day um one of my old friends from school he was um promoting at belvedere and they used to have uh open mic night and he's like hey i want you to come out and you know come do your thing out here so i did and literally ever since then i met some poets there and they were like hey that was really dope you should come to this spot and this spot and this spot and this spot and then i just like almost every day of the week for like a whole year straight i would just be everywhere performing 
writing new pieces, you know, uh, finally got to the improv. And then it was just like, oh, my God, my dreams, you know, hey, are like here and just kept going ever since then. So it's all I feel like, you know, poetry has always been a part of me. Um, you know, I just I just love to write. I love to express myself. Somebody called it poetry. So that's mm. just, mm. you know, how that how that happened. So <laughs> how did you decide that you wanted to have like your own show? Because I know you put on mm-hmm. Lady 380 showcases. I'm not sure if that's what you call them. But mm-hmm. but yes. yeah. Um, so basically about almost a year into performing, um, uh somebody came up to me and was like hey like why don't you have your own show like and my biggest thing was I know I'm entertaining but I didn't always have the following like yeah uh what I was doing was I would post my poems or my performances like on Facebook or something and I started realizing that yeah people were engaged they wanted to hear what I had to say they were not trying to pay to come see me do it and most uh, part of that was because I was giving it to them for free. I would literally have people like comment and I would go and write them a message like, hey, I'd love to see you at the show. And they're like, I don't think I'm gonna make it, but I can't wait till you post it um, on Facebook. Like mm. I want to hear it. And that's when I started to realize like, OK, now I have to kind of put more value on my talent um, because other people were taking advantage of it. Like I would go do shows and they're buying tickets, but. I'm coming to perform. I'm not getting paid for, you know, things like that. So um, once I got that push and I had somebody just come to me and like, hey, here's the idea. That's how No Smoke came about. Here's the idea. What do you think about this? Um, And I'm like, yes, like, of course, that's this is what I want to do. And then literally all they did was. Uh, put me in front of a iPhone camera, told me to dress up, take some pictures, did the like promotion and stuff for it. I shared it and, and, and ended up selling all the tickets. And here I was thinking nobody was coming to see me. I was relying on them to be able to do everything and I was just going to show up and perform. But when I realized like, hey, you really put the fire under my feet to make me go and do this. I can do this by myself. And Ever since then, I kind of just went ahead and did that. And like now I realize that that's what my audience or my fans that actually uh, buy tickets, they want to support me. They want they want it to be my show. They want it to be something that I put on. They respect my production. They may not necessarily know like, okay, if I'm selling tickets to somebody else's um, event, it's kind of like, yeah, I want to see you perform, but do I want to see everything else too? So it's kind of like the total package. And I, it took years for me to like understand that and like kind of realize, you know, that's just what it is and how they operate. So now I'm kind of dying, dialing back a little bit, um, even on having shows or whatever, like I kind of want to go back to just maybe like once a year do a no smoke show um and branch off into other things like i have a book that i've been writing for like three four years now like i want to get it done and stop you know having other things you know procrastinating or hustling for money no i had you know everything is laid out for me i just need the time to be able to do other things well that's good (laughs) and and it's good for you to evaluate where you mm-hmm. are and what you're doing because like you know for me that was the same thing I had to do I had you know laughs and lyrics so mm-hmm. this is gonna be the fourth year 
anniversary of Laughs and Lyrics, but I haven't done a show, a Laughs and Lyrics show this entire year. This will be my first one mm-hmm. because I've been doing a podcast. I've been promoting the books, both my books. I've been doing workshops. I'm working on being a consultant. I'm, you know, been on panels. I'm, I'm, there's many other things as a artist, you know, you can be a teaching artist, you can get all kind of different things. So there's so much that you can do that necessarily isn't just about poetry or spoken word, which of course right. I love, I will always love, you know, poetry, journaling. I started off journaling, mm-hmm. then went into poetry and then went into performing the latest, you know, thing. Cause that was like five years ago that I started performing. So I'm kind of in a sense to perform and I'm kind of a newcomer to the game compared to some people who've been doing it for decades. Right. But, um, you know, so for me, part of being honest, I think you have to be honest with yourself. Like you were talking Absolutely. about time and energy most important, and money mm-hmm. <laughs> because, okay, if I'm putting all this time, energy and money into this, what am I getting back right. from it? You got to be able to you yield, know. Some, yield some results. Yeah. So, and then you have to evaluate where will I get the best bang for my time, energy, and money? Absolutely. And where will I get the most resounding or, or kind of replicating, you know, impact? Because sometimes a show, that's a one night thing. It's over. It's done. Right. You might have a few clips, you know, but that's right. about it. A few pictures. Right. But when you put out, like you're talking about that book, once you put that book out, it's out there. Right. And that book, can be bringing you money every month and you could be making money in your sleep. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a difference between I physically actively have to be on stage performing, giving my energy versus I put all my energy into this. Mm -hmm. It's on this platform. Every time I go perform, I can direct people to go get it or have it with me. Absolutely. And then, they might buy it that night, but they might buy it two weeks from now. They might buy it and then tell somebody else to go buy right. it. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And and then you end up with a whole different a whole different experience. So I think as an artist, you have to you have to be honest with yourself about what your goals are, what your dreams are, where you see yourself, you know, and and as a as a who was it? My mind just went blank. Dr. Dre said, you know, people are going to say, Dr. Dre fell off. Nah, I've been in the lab with a pen and a pad trying to get this label off. You know what I'm saying? So when people don't see you, sometimes it's not because you fell off. You working. You working on something else. You branching out. You putting out your merch. You know, you putting out. I mean, there are lots of people. I'm probably one of them. They pop up. You know, Mm -hmm. you go into your hibernation. Mm -hmm. You be working on whatever you doing underground. And then you pop up. Yes. And they like, where you been? Well, see, but that's where I've been. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. That's where I've been. So now, you know, so I think that, um, that's a beautiful thing. And, and I know that you also started with candles. Mm-hmm. So yes. what made you go into that? That was a hustling mentality. Let me tell you, um, I had, uh, I don't know if I quit my job, got fired. I don't know which one it was. One of the two, baby. I wasn't working anymore um, pretty much. And I knew that I had to do something. So this is around the time when I first started even going to like open mics, but I was also bartending. Um, and I had 
a lot of customers um bartending so i knew that if i had it didn't matter what product i had honestly if i was selling something they gonna buy it um and that's just how it was and i was telling my mom like hey you know i wanted to do like the hair and lashes and kind of boutique thing kind of like you know like pretty much a lot of people were doing that at the time so i'm trying to think of what's gonna make mine you know kind of stand out what can i do differently and i'm like okay well if i already have the website then this can be another way for me to be able to sell uh my tickets you know poetry or be able to you know kind of insert that in in there and um my mom was just like well why don't you make candles and I was like hmm let me google you know research how to how to make candles and then that became something that was like you know what that it was just the perfect idea it's the perfect setup or environment if I have my show and have candles placed or whatever to let people smell them it's the perfect thing like you know like you said if you want to make money in your sleep I'll dedicate a day to making candles what I have is what I have you can buy it um online I ship it to you whatever I'll have my merch with me when you see me um type of deal and it's something that people can keep coming back to buy. And then it's another, like I said, another opportunity. It allows people when they come to a poetry show, you can go home with something from me, you know, besides a t-shirt or, you know, uh, besides a t-shirt really. And, you know, you can be reminded, uh, this is a daily reminder. However mm-hmm. often you light your candles or however often that you, that you see that, um, in, in your place is like, you know, okay, it's, steady steadily putting it uh putting it in your place so I felt like that was a that was a perfect idea and although I'm not as like you know uh dedicated to just like hey candles 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 lit by Brit uh what I started doing is is making a more exclusive thing like if you don't want to order online you can't come in my inbox and just say hey I want a candle not that thirsty for money right now you know how you got to get it you got to come to a show and then you can buy the purchase. So if you, you know, if you want to support me that, that bad, badly or whatever, then hey, come out, come out and do it. So well, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and it's, I think, you know, there is something about having something that's unique to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your own sense, your mm-hmm. own names for your candles, mm-hmm. um, your shirts. And, and then, you know, people are, how can I put it? When they, when they enjoy what you created, they feel bonded to you. They mm-hmm. feel connected to you, but also it, it's kind of, um, it's a vibe, you know, mm-hmm. it's a vibe. Absolutely. And, and I think, um, we like to wear, we like to use products that make us feel a certain way. Cause like if you talk about Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is a soda, mm-hmm. but they're not selling a soda. Mm-hmm. They're selling the have a Coke and a smile. Yes. They're selling, you know, sharing the Coke. They're selling the experience. So I think that that's also what we have to understand with the arts and with what we create is that we're kind of selling an experience mm-hmm. where, you know, it's um, laughs and lyrics, you know, when you come out on September 24th, so you guys can go yes. on my link tree, <laughs> you can buy a ticket to come see me, come see her, come yes. see all the different artists that we're going to have. It's an experience to come to the Shrine of the Black Madonna. If you have never been free parking, you walk in, you see art, African art. There's sculptures on the walls. All right. From Africa. We're not talking mm-hmm. about some fake 
Right. So this is African art. You know, you see the sculptures, you see, you see that you feel the vibe when you walk into the place. This is a place that has in the back corner, they have the, the African Holocaust Museum. So if you have been at a Jewish Holocaust Museum, you need to come to the African Holocaust Museum. You know, you can kind of walk through that room and just get that sense of what our people have gone through. And then you come into the other room, we got vendors, you know, and you come into the other room, we got, you know, the DJ playing music, you know, and you're going to be able to get your, your food and your wine and come sit down. You can vibe for a little while. And then we're going to have some sound bowls. We're going to have a lady yes. playing sound bowls <laughs> to get your energy right. Get us all in the right receptive space so we can have that poetry flowing, comedy flowing, music flowing. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, like I said, you can go on my link tree and you can get your tickets. I'm going to be giving her her own link. So she's going to be able to be selling tickets. You can come see her, support her, you know, so um, but we have that show coming up on the 24th. And anybody who loves the arts, come on out because we're going to have it's a day for the arts. September 24th is a global day for the arts. 100,000 Poets for Change. So, you know, that vibe, you know, we're selling an experience. We're selling. I used to say. And I haven't said it because I haven't done a show in a while. (laughs) But you come into my show, you leave the outside outside. Mm -hmm. You're here to get zenned. Mm -hmm. You're here to shake off all of that stress from the week and just be in the moment and be at peace and laugh and have a good time. And -hmm. when you leave, you take that relaxation with you. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I started performing because of stress I could write, but it seemed like I couldn't write enough to get all of that out. Mm -hmm. Because when you go on stage, you leave everything up there. When you come off stage, you feel different. Mm -hmm. The energy has, it's it's like you're giving your story and they're infusing you with their energy. It's this exchange. So it's like, it's like to me, if I'm full of ink, let's say the ink is stress and you're pouring clear water into me and that's the energy of the crowd, it's going to flush all that stress yeah. out of me. Mm-hmm. And when I walk off that stage, I feel, you know, and that's why a lot of artists at the end, we can't even go home and go to sleep. Right. Because we just hyped. Yep. You know, we because, you know, we're hyped because that energy from the crowd. And that's what we always say, you know, about the energy. You know, the energy you give is the energy you receive, you know, so we need you to clap. We need you to snap. We need you to shake those keys. You know, we need you to be engaged because that's also a form of honesty. I think one of the most honest places is the stage. Yeah. Cause they, they will tell, tell you. I'm gonna make you. They will tell you. They will tell you if you got it, and if you don't, they will tell you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's and and it's a that feeling of unity when you are there and the crowd is with you. They understand what you're talking about. They're going. They're going on this journey with you. They may not know where you were going right. when you first started spitting. But they trust in you to leave But they trust in you. And then they're like, oh, man, I felt that. And they start, you know, they start talking back to you, you know, Mm -hmm. spit poet or whatever they say, you know, Mm -hmm. rewind, you know, I mean, whatever. And and then you start feeling like, okay, they're with me. And you can see you look out in the crowd, you see their eyes, you see their smiles, you see the, you know, you see those, all those facial expressions. So it's definitely, to me, it's one of the most honest places in the world because, 
you know, when you're looking around, you see those honest reactions. Right. You see those those aha moments. You see some people get pissed off, mad because you're talking about something right. that happened to you. Absolutely. You know, especially if you talk. I know you had a side chick point, but you look around and, mm-hmm. and you That's see right. the women that, yeah, girl, they get all upset because they, they, they experienced that yes. uh, being cheated on, you know. And, and so what do you think about that? What does it mean to you, the honesty of the stage and, and, and the crowd and the reactions of the crowd? I think that's the, um, that's one of the most rewarding, uh, parts of it. Like you said, the, they're gonna, they're gonna let you know, you know, how they feel. That's one of the most honest, uh, moments. But I love when artists are as vulnerable as possible because, like you brought up the side piece, um, poem, no matter how, somebody feels about that or like oh you could have been the woman that my man was you know cheating with they still love me because I was honest about it you know Mm -hmm. I I I exist in my truth and a lot of people don't even realize that that's what they can respect and that's what they like I'm not hiding from you I'm not hiding at all um and I think that if I didn't have that like you know I can be a creative artist and like kind of make up stories but I think people your audience can tell Hmm. whether you're real or not Mm -hmm. and no matter what you get up there and say how good or bad you were if you were honest I I just feel like the honesty part is like the most rewarding thing and I had to learn as well it's not gonna always be snaps claps and sometimes I've performed before and it was just dead silent and Mm. I was like oh my god everybody hates me like this is how I'm feeling on stage right but then I get off and it's just like I had to understand speaking about some heavy things people don't know how to react to that yeah they don't know how to snap to oh shit you got punched in the eye or like you know like Mm -hmm. you know you're talking about some things that may have brought them back into a space you don't know the end of it and it's like I receive it but I don't know if I don't know if I actually enjoyed it but you know Mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that to me and then that's when you would have people flooding you afterwards like come thank you so much for sharing it i've been through you know so it's still as just as rewarding but i've had all kind of moments on stage i've had all kind of moments <laughs> you know one of the most amazing things there are two really amazing moments that kind of stuck with me i've had a lot of beautiful moments but one was when there was a woman that would come to our show we used to have a show every week mm-hmm. at the dollar hookah lounge <laughs> and she came every single week every week and and finally she, she said she said uh she introduced me to somebody she said it's my poetry mama <laughs> uh, which was funny because i ain't never heard nobody call me that you know but she and she said uh this place is like my church you guys actually give me the strength to go into my my, my monday through friday my nine to five because when I come here, I know I'm going to be loved on. I know I'm going to laugh. I know I'm going to relax. I know I'm going to just feel this vibe and I need it. And she was like, and it's the most authentic place. You know, everybody comes and it doesn't matter if they're old, young, gay, straight. Everybody is here and we're all on one accord. We're all here just to enjoy the moment and laugh and vibe. And she was like, it's like, she was like, it's better than church. I was like, <laughs> and that was what I was trying to create. It's when a form I of fellowship. Like for oh, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And then I remember it was one lady that uh, I did a poem on fatherhood. 
and uh, fathers are not disposable. And mm-hmm. that came from that three, mm-hmm. you know, it came from I Am Jarrell mm-hmm. when he did a he did this poem, I think, called Sundays. Yes. And then um, uh, Scott Free, when he mm-hmm. does the poem about his his ex and how she's trying to, you know, keep him yes. from his kids. And then Brother Malcolm, when he did his poem about please let me see my son. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the audience and I'm like. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying to keep it together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a single mother. I've never been in that situation, right. but I can't even imagine right. what it would be like to be kept from my sons. I and I can't think imagine it. That's why I appreciate that um, piece because we hear men talk about it a lot. Um, but to hear it come from a woman, I think is even more powerful because it's now like your help. It's like. I can hear a man say it all day. And even if I was one of those people, which I'm not, but even if I was, it would just kind of be like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. This man over here tripping or whatever. When I hear it from another woman, it's like you checking your sister. Like, no, you wrong for that. You need to, you know, and then it it make you look at it in a different light. Um, And yeah. So, yeah. So I was (laughs) at the key and I performed that poem and then I'm this is months later. I'm at H-E-B going to the grocery store and I see this this girl because she actually you know how sometimes you doing a show and somebody say, hey, can I perform? Mm-hmm. And you're like, OK, OK, go ahead. Go mm-hmm. ahead. So I didn't know this girl from Adam. She was like, can I perform? She was like, I got my I got my guitar in the car. Oh, yeah. for sure. I was <laughs> like, yeah, go get your guitar. Go, go, go ahead. She you came out. She sat night. down on the on the on the stool and she started playing and singing in English and Spanish. Beautiful. It was amazing. And I saw her and I didn't recognize who she was. I recognized her, but I couldn't. I was like, wait a minute. You you were at one of my shows. You you performed. And she was Mm -hmm. like, you're the woman. You're the woman who did the fatherhood poem. And she said, you know what? I didn't say nothing to you that night, but I left that show. And I called that bastard. It's called my father. I called him. And she said, I hadn't talked to him in, I think she said 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. I hadn't talked to him in 10 or 12 years. Now we have a relationship because I never thought about things from his perspective. Mm-hmm. I never thought that there could have been a reason that he wasn't in my life. Mm-hmm. I never, it never occurred to me that it wasn't just his choice. Right. But I wanted to ask him. Right. Just to make sure that I gave him the benefit of the right. doubt. Absolutely. And she was like, I have a relationship with my father because you performed that poem. That's powerful. I was like, that is so powerful. Here you go. Here, bring it to his eyes. Look. <laughs> Are we going to cry? So, <laughs> yeah. So that is just the power of the arts. And so we have, like she told you, she has her show coming up on September 17th, 17th. Mm-hmm. Kings and Queens. We have uh, the 100,000 Poets for Change show at the Shrine of the Black Madonna. I do want you to tell people whatever you want to tell them. You know, we're wrapping up in this next like mm-hmm. six, seven minutes about what you got going on, where they can find you, any messages you want to give, yeah. you know, as we kind of wrap up. So um, if you guys don't follow me already, um, you can follow me on all streaming platforms. I would advise just go to my website, lady380poetry.com. That's L-A-D-Y-3-8-0-Poetry. Um, dot com you can there's a link to any one of my um platforms there uh you can see what events i have coming up if you want to purchase merchandise like that's the one-stop shop um if not it's underscore lady 380 on instagram i think it's lady 380 on um 
Facebook. I'm Googleable, you know. So hey, Lazy Ready Poetry, you should be able to find me on all streaming platforms. Like I said, I am working on a book. I keep saying I want to have it done by my birthday. That'll be the gift to myself, which is uh, in December. So that's the goal right now. Don't hold me to it. You know, I'm going to take my time. I've been saying that for like three, four years now. So, um, but it is almost complete. Um, working on plays for sure. That's like the, my main thing now. Like, you know, I want to be the Tyler Perry of, uh, plays. Um, I think, I think that, you know, uh, we need that. That's that's a big opportunity. Um, and I would just advise anybody like, you know, if you enjoy what I do, uh, if I post something that you like, just reshare it. Just um, post it. Uh, my biggest thing right now is just trying to gain a larger audience. Um, I can't expect the same people to, you know, support every single thing that I do. I'm happy and grateful for those who do, but I want, I feel like I, I have something to say, not just me, but you know, the culture, we have something to say. And a lot of people need to know that we have something to say. And the only way we can do that is if you tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, or tell a friend to tell a friend. That's all I ask. Thank you in advance. <laughs> All right. And I am. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I am Zenashe. That's Z-E-N-A-S-E. And you can find me on pretty much, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Zenashe or Zenergy. This podcast is called Zenergy, Z-E-N-N-U-R-G-Y. There's about 96 episodes out. So if you liked what we talked about, Every episode is a different topic, but it also tells the story of the person who came. So you kind of get inspired by different people from different backgrounds. But we also talk about topics that you deal with in a regular life, in a regular day. So everything is relatable. Everything is relevant to life and trying to make good decisions and trying to self-actualize because that's really what this podcast is about the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life um i do have plenty of guppies and other dating misadventures which is a poetry prose memoir which is on amazon i do have two guided journals energize your life volume one is on amazon the other one you'd have to get from my website laughsandlyrics.com and that's l-a-u-g-h-z-a-n-d lyrics.com but you can go Google Zenashe, Z-E-N-A-S-E, and go to Amazon and get both books. This one has been on the bestsellers list for about 220 days <laughs> in poetry. And this one is also a bestseller. Um, it's not on the bestsellers list now, but it was up there for about 60 days. So this one has been on the bestsellers list in Kindle since February 9th. This is now oh, September girl. the 11th. Yes. So you can add all those days up yes. and see how many days that is. Uh, but if you're on a journey of self-development, if you're trying to be more authentic, this does cover like how I kind of found my voice and all the lessons I learned. There's 26 lessons in there. There's 97 poems and there's a lot of laughs, a lot of craziness because <laughs> uh, it does cover a lot of online dates. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. And of course, thank you for having me. Yes. And I would love for you guys to go purchase, sh- you know, show tickets to her show, my show. All right. Come on out. Enjoy the arts in Houston because we have a lot of things going on. So thank you. May you walk in synergy. Have a great night. Bye.
Zenoshea, a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery, while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children. (laughs) 